Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 100. Hey, Richers, I'm so excited to welcome you to our 100th episode. Today I invited Don Philpott, one of the special and very smart people, to talk with me about how entrepreneurs can reach business success due to being very customer-focused. Don is one of the very rare people that found the breakthrough to entrepreneurial business marketing. I lately read on one of the Facebook groups that I'm part of a discussion between a few lady entrepreneurs, and they said, how come that we can't find some actionable steps that will tell us how to succeed and get business growth? So we're soon going to launch the online course that will help you use the magic of marketing, which is magic that has very clear rules and simple ones, and reach your entrepreneurial business success. The eight actionable steps to reach ongoing paying customers and business growth. Until we will launch the course, please go to richomiss.com. You'll find there plenty of free guides, blog posts, and a lot of episodes talking with the most successful entrepreneurs and opinion leaders about how they reached their entrepreneurial business success thanks to being really focused on their customers. I'm really looking to start together our next 100 episodes. Don Philpat, currently the CMO of Carista App, number one product on Amazon UK and Japan. MD of ad360.co, ad360.eu, one of the top marketing automation inbound strategy companies. Previously consulted for some of the world's biggest brands, was subcontracted from Adaco as Google Maps Business View Marketing Coordinator, outsourced to Honda from IBM, Business Development Director for EMEA at Volkswagen, Strategic Marketing Manager for FaceRacer.com, the world's first social network for karting, and Business Development Lead for BulgarianHeadhunters.com, a startup that both signed a global contract with IBM in one year and beat the pants of, of competitors in the BPO recruitment sector. Don Philpott, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, hi. How are things? Things are great, and I'm happy we are finally here together, speaking to our listeners. It's very nice to be here on a nice Sofia afternoon. Oh, is it nice weather there in Sofia? It's been minus 10 for the last couple of days, but previous to that, it has been wonderful. Very hmm. springtime. That's great. And um, I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading? 
I'm currently a CMO, marketing guy, for a company called Carista. And Carista is a global product that's sold on Amazon. It's essentially a tool for your care that allows you to customize your care. Previous to that, I've worked for IBM, Google, Honda, a lot of the big names, but I've also worked in startups as well. So I like startups. Hmm. I'll tell you about that later. I also like the big companies for different reasons, but we'll get into the, I suppose, the minutiae as we progress. I must admit that you have a fascinating introduction in your LinkedIn page. So many things that you've done, so many uh, new words that you can code, and I'm really very curious. What is the story about all these great things that you're doing? What is the story behind that? I started working very young. My father was a farmer. My mother was a farmeress, or if you want to call it that, or a <laughs> farmer as well. When we were kids, we were working from five or six years of age, and we grew up really healthy. We grew up very sort of fit, and we had lots of fresh air. We had lots of outdoor time. When I was about 15 or 16, I took a rucksack and, and went interrailing. I don't know if you're familiar with interrail. It's you get a monthly ticket. You can take a rucksack, travel around Europe and go as many places as you want for 30 days or 60, depending on the ticket that you buy. No, I didn't know that. But when you're talking about your childhood, it was in Ireland, isn't it? Correct. Correct. I was hmm. born a, a farm boy in Ireland, um, a dairy farm, if you're into farming. So cattle, uh, lots of grass, lots of rain and plenty dirt. Wow. Actually, I am from a place that had a farm as well. So yes, I am into farms as well. Did you um, just finish school or you left before? Yeah, correct. I finished school. I was always good at school. Um, okay. This is one of the things in my family, I was always considered a kind of a genius. Oh, so, that's great. Well, it's useful in one way and it's not useful in another. It's that you take things on very quickly. You learn stuff very fast for your peer group. But I always thought that other people were like me. I always thought other people found wow. things easy to do, that they were just the same. And as I've grown up and as I've gone through life, I figured out that the things that I find quite straightforward or make sense to me, they don't often make sense to what I would call a normal person or a regular person. You know that this is so interesting because I think this is one of the major problems of entrepreneurs and startup founders. They are sure that everyone is seeing things the way they do. Correct. Agreed. Very much agreed. Yeah. Okay. So the essential situation was I was going to go to law school. Uh, I did two years of that, actually. So a year and a half. And at that point, I thought I've had enough, essentially. <laughs> That's the end of that for me, because I knew that life is divided into a couple of stages. Uh, I'd always been an avid reader, and I was aware that when you're young, You have limitless potential, you have physical health, and you have the ability to go and explore. You have no dependencies, essentially. You have the freedom to explore. You have the opportunity to explore. You don't have things which are dependent on you and your ability to travel, your ability to move. And all of the, the things that make you you are really, really valuable. And society keeps telling you that you should put yourself into a, a, a box, essentially, become a lawyer, become an engineer, become a doctor. And I knew that for me, these things weren't really where I wanted to go. I wanted to explore the world and see what was happening in the world and literally just take a bag and go, hmm. you know, and I so did, that's what you did. I did. And I did that for the best part of eight or nine years. I became an outdoor wow. instructor. 
I lived on a mountain, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Not on a spiritual level, just a guy who lives in a tent on a mountain, very, very simply. <laughs> very simply, very ordinary. Everyone is doing that. Correct. People tend not to do that. And that's essentially <laughs> what happens. It's easy to do because it doesn't cost a huge amount of money. It doesn't cost a lot of effort. It's just the doing of it. And I have a good story on that one, actually. I met a guy in America. I was working in a summer camp in the States, and his name was Lee, Lee Judson, very good friend. Yeah. And Lee said to me that he was in Leeds, and he sat at a bar with two other guys, and he said, look, I'm going to go to America in the summer. I'm going to work in a summer camp in the States. Then I'm going to go to Memphis. I'm going to see Elvis's, wherever Elvis is going to be in Memphis. <laughs> the, is it called a Neverland Branch? No, that's Michael Jackson. That's the Graceland. Uh, is it Graceland? I don't, I don't remember. Okay, so I met Lee in America, a yeah. very cool English guy. And he said, those two guys both said, no, you'll never do it. Our kind of people never do that. And they had already structured a narrative for Lee. Now, Lee has been everywhere. He's done loads of things. He's been a fabricator for Formula One. He's built the cockpits, the monocoque hulls for Formula One cars. He's a really interesting guy. And we actually went to Elvis's place If it's called Graceland, now I think it's called Graceland. Lee jumped over the, the, it's a big fence, essentially. I thought he was going to be shot. He said, wait outside there, I'm going to go. He went into the plane. Elvis's plane is actually at this place. Came back out and said, okay, that's it. I was born on Elvis's birthday and we have the same date of birth. He went in, he didn't get shot. We came back. He had done a huge amount of stuff, even though... People were telling him he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. And I have exactly the same personality. People always told me, you can't do this and you can't do that. Or there's a reason why you would fail. And I've always started to step beyond that and went, okay, I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> That's a great story. Mm-hmm. I must say, it's a great story. So tell me about one of, or two of your stories. What did you do that really was your way? I used to be an outdoor instructor, so sailing, kayaking, mountaineering. And... Often when I'm sitting on the side of a mountain, we'd have a group of five or six young guys and a guy would sit down beside me and he'd say, look, you know, I have this issue at home or I have a problem in my family situation. And they would talk to me about it. And this happened a lot. So you're out with different groups of kids pretty much all year round. And this situation happened almost constantly. And what it was, was that you're a person who has trust because you're an instructor and people feel able to talk to you. Yeah. So they would actually come to you because they needed to relieve themselves of this stress or they needed to relieve this burden and they would discuss it with you. And I went to school, I studied psychotherapy after this, and it was essentially that I was a person who listened and they could understand that or empathize with it. And they would open themselves out because you were the only person essentially they could talk to. So oh. th- this was a, a very common situation and it went Further than that slightly, because I started a company called Adventure Therapy Ireland, which was exactly this principle. You take young people in the outdoors. It can be older people as well. It's not a counseling session. It's not a, a psychotherapy session. It's just you talking to somebody else and they speaking about their existence in a very, it's not your office. It's not confrontational. It's not you sitting on a chair judging somebody. It's just having a conversation in the outdoors. And it's a very freeing experience for people. How long did you do that? I did it for, well, at that time, it was a very new thing in Ireland. So when I went for the funding, everyone said to me, eh, it, it's not really an activity that we can fund. Now it's very big. 
And the issue of adventure therapist or adventure? Well, well, I'll explain the issues. The primary issues now are that kids are addicted to mobile technology, right. which impacts the posture. It impacts the physical fitness. It's the eyesight. It's all of the things that you or I would take for granted because we started as physically fit. We had an outdoor experience. We either played sports or we were in sporting teams. The culture has changed very dramatically from that model. So many kids now are on computers from pretty much the time they get up in the day till the time they go to bed at night. They become essentially antisocial and they don't develop as functioning adults, either physically, mentally or emotionally. So it's a very different culture now. And of course, the authorities are understanding it. They have experience. They know what they're doing. But 10 or 15 years ago, nobody was really cognizant of this idea. Oh, do you see yourself as entrepreneur? Uh, yes, uh, back to the main topic. The entrepreneurialism is something that... Do you, did you want to, to talk more about the idea of the adventure? No, um, no, okay. no. It's the, essentially the customer focus was the point of the entrepreneurialism as well. <laughs> so the, the two tie in together. I ask it now because I think all this idea that you took the young people to the mountains or to the open air, it's, it's part of entrepreneurship. It's something that... You said yourself, nobody did. So that's why I asked, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Oh, correct. Well, at that time, it, now it, there's actually a label for that particular activity. It's called a social enterprise activity. So in Ireland, that's what it would be called. And there are no funding schemes for it. There's a government sort of uh, structuring in place. So if I say to somebody today in yeah. 2019, I have a social enterprise that involves me taking kids on adventure therapy trips or taking people into the mountains or taking people kayaking, people are aware of that syntax. They understand what that means. 11 or 12 years ago, it was a very, very new concept. So the knowledge didn't exist and actual vernacular to explain it didn't exist. Hmm. These are exactly the things that entrepreneurs are actually struggling with. And I'm back to my question. Do you <laughs> see yourself as an entrepreneur? That's absolutely fine. Well, I'm going to explain it, not about me at the moment, but I'll explain it about Todder, who is the CEO of Carista. Okay. Now, he, he, is, he is essentially a very successful startup entrepreneur. His product is available globally. It's available on Amazon, eBay, and all over the world, potentially Walmart in a couple of weeks. But he's a guy who essentially doesn't see himself as an entrepreneur. And he feels very strongly that he's a software engineer. He creates a product. And that product is a very specific product for a very specific function to customize a car. When he hired me, I brought him into the entrepreneurial mindset, essentially, that, look, you are a very funky CEO. You're a very presentable mm -hmm. guy. You have the skills to speak very well. You have a face that looks very well. And you're a guy who can present his topic, meaning the technical side of the product, very well. And he really wasn't into it. So when you talk about entrepreneurialism, I've always been the guy who can market the entrepreneurial talent. I essentially have had entrepreneurial products myself. I know how to brand stuff. I know how to send stuff to market. I know the channels to use, all of the stuff that you and I are very well aware of. But the actual person who produces the product often is very specific about the product. They want it to be a great product and they identify with the product. I think that one of the things that uh, I talk a lot about that and I write a lot about that, but one of the issues that I see entrepreneurs really struggling with is being able both to find the 
the people that will be the first to adopt their new product and to be able to describe what this new thing is doing. You know, I think that developing an entrepreneurship and coming one morning and decide that you are bringing something new to the world, this is very tough. Agreed. But marketing is something that has rules and if you know how to do that, it will happen and somehow... I see so many entrepreneurs saying, this is the, the famous research of uh, CB Insights and so on, saying that they are failing because there wasn't a market need, which we know that it's not a question of market needs most of the time. It's a question of finding who is the one that's already capable of using your product and how to call it and or how to describe it. And you're doing that. You're doing that for Carista. It's like you share with your uh, with the founder both sides of the equation. He is doing the product and he lets you do the, the marketing. However, most entrepreneurs doing that by themselves and failing too many times. And it's a pity because so many great products are being wasted. So... I want to hear what you say about it. You are doing that. You understand entrepreneurship because you are coming from this place. You are a kind of genius person yourself. And on the other hand, you understand marketing when you know that there are quite simple ways to bring something that there is a need for to the customers. Correct. What do you say about it? And what would be your best advice to entrepreneurs regarding approaching their customers? There's a famous book by a guy called Eric Reese or Eric Reese called The Lean Startup. The Lean uh, Startup. They love it so much, but yeah. they forget the issue of the customers. Yeah. Correct. So essentially what he says, and many other guys who are starting up say, just you must do it. There, are, You must address the customer. You must get the customer's feedback. You must actually talk to customers, find out how they use your product, how they want to use it, and how they perceive it. Specifically, startup entrepreneurs, what they tend to do is, I apologize now for this, but they veg out on entrepreneur porn. So mm. they get a load of books. Let's say Gary Vaynerchuk, they go for The Long Tail, they go for Innovator's Dilemma, they hit Mavericks at Work, they go to Trust Me, I'm Lying, they hit Purple Cow, and they read mm. all of this stuff. And eventually they start to go, essentially, I spoke about entrepreneur porn. So you just read those titles and then you don't do the work that those books tell you to do. They all have a valuable insight. They all tell you, understand your product, understand your customer. And when I've listened to your podcasts, all of the people you've had on say very similar things. They say there's an actual list of things that you should do and you must do them. It's not that you think about doing them, you actually do them. And then there is a process that flows from that. So there's an entrepreneur who makes money. It's one of the things about entrepreneurialism that people have a perception. It's for young guys who are fancy free. And it's for hmm. people who go it alone, who are that sort of innovator personality type. Now, the statistics don't bear that out. If you've spent 30 years in a large company and you have a certain amount of money that you take with you as a payoff, often that's the best time to go and be an entrepreneur. You're in your mid-40s, you're solid, you have a certain amount of money to work on your product or your idea. You have the network that you've built up from working for the past 20 odd years. You understand your product, you know what it is, you know what the market is for your product, and you know what your specific niche is. So if that's a very different person or a persona from the guy who's 2021. He happens to be a software engineer and he wants to put something out in the market. The piece of information 
that I think is most valuable is about sort of putting your ladder up against the correct wall means that you focus on the goals that are most appropriate for you and you actually go in the right direction for you. And I've explained that in terms of, yeah. I believe that there are starter type personalities, visionary types. That there are people in the middle who do the job, who get things done. And then there are people in the end who finish something, who say, look, enough is enough. I really don't think that we're going to spend any more money on this project. It's time to finish it. So I've worked with all three types. Uh, I explained Nico de Jong, who is the founder of Bulgarian Headhunters, the founder of Bitcoin Miners, the founder of many, many different things and a genius in IBM. Hmm. He is a great starter. He has just a wonderful personality in terms of getting people involved in the vision, getting things moving. And essentially, his personality type is very flamboyant. Okay. Then I, I spoke about Bryce Poynas. Bryce invented the Sony Kart World Series, essentially the Formula One of karting. So he was asked at 23 to create a Formula Series for Sony Kart, essentially to sell that product globally. He did that. It was actually 300, 400 tracks around the world. Now wow. use that use that brand. So if you see SWS anywhere in relation to karting, that's actually Bryce. Hmm. And Bryce is actually the second type, isn't it? He is. He's very much a guy who gets the job done. He, he speaks French fluently. He is French. He speaks Spanish fluently. He speaks English fluently. He did an MBA in the States. He studied in Mexico. He's a very well-rounded Renaissance man. And the third one? The third one is my colleague, Vinci, who's just a very sharp individual. I think the most easy way is to explain him is he's the guy who says no. He's the guy we spoke last week in the scrum meeting that the scrum meetings were taking too long. And Vinci said, guys, we need to address this. This is something that actually has to be fixed. And we had a meeting. We discussed it. We moved things around. And in an agile development scenario, he's the guy who actually says stop. And what you said is so true. I really believe that everybody is talking about entrepreneurship and about the loneliness of entrepreneurs. And actually, your best advice was the team, that the team is the most important thing, isn't it? Oh, correct. I, I very much believe this. As I said, I've worked in IBM. I've worked in Honda. I've worked for all of these kind of giant corporations. And yet, internally, it's a team of people that you can trust and rely on. And it's the same with an entrepreneurial situation. In this particular one, Carista, uh, Todder is the developer. He's a very clever guy. He's ex-Google. He's ex-Amazon. He's a genius in his own way. We have Koyan, who's our senior developer. He is almost like Yoda. You know, he's the guy who has very short sentences, hmm. but is, is very deep in terms of his thinking. Vensi then is the sales guy. He's just full on, 100%, and he needs to be at that pace all the time. So they have different paces, they have different personalities, and as a team, it works really, really well. But that's the entrepreneurial environment that you rarely find one of those characteristics, the, right. vision, the visionary, the guy who gets things done, or the guy who finishes stuff off and saves you money in one person. They're always some way different type people. Don, what would you consider as your biggest, most critical failure the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most. This has happened in a lot of the larger companies that I'm really competent and I understand people's personalities, but because you're so competent, they get very defensive and they start putting up shutters in terms of, I am the marketing manager, you're the sales manager, that's the position, that's where we get to and we stop. 
So my biggest failure is being too competent. And I apologize for that. <laughs> it genuinely has been one of the things that has meant that I moved on from companies and companies have decided to kind of go, okay, he's a bit too much in terms of our team. We want middle of the road people who do what they're told. We're not looking for this guy who's getting contracts from places we don't actually want contracts from. I can understand exactly what you are saying. And I think quite many entrepreneurs or genius engineers are suffering from similar problems. Politics is something that... Um, Most young people, or at least most entrepreneurs, aren't able to play with. Correct. I very much agree. And especially if you're task-oriented, uh, which is very much my personality, I am very focused on getting the job done and achieving it in the quickest way possible with the most effectiveness possible. And in the politics environment, that's often dangerous. Hmm. I agree. I want to ask you now about successes. I know that you've got some. I read and we talked about it a bit, but tell us the story about your greatest or what you see as your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching customers or about bringing something new to the world. All right. A, a lot of these are going to be similar stories to other people, which is, I suppose it's a bit trite sometimes, but I was Honda's number one customer service agent in Europe for quite a while. Yeah. And the, the reason for that was that I would listen to people, actually listen to people, as in understand what their problem was or their issue was, try and find out whether we could get a solution, then work to get that solution, implement the solution, and come back to them and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do in your situation, and we're going to get it done for you in this timeline, and we're going to achieve it for you because that's what we do. And people are, you know, people, if they have a problem with their car, they deal with this multinational global corporation. Sure. They're pressing five or six different numbers. The very first thing they, they get is you're true to customer service. And they get me, who is a very different type of personality to, you know, the person who is not happy in their job, who's been paid a little money and who really doesn't care so much. When you get someone like me, I want to get it right. I want to get it fixed. And that's essentially... How Honda works. Honda wants the customer to be happy. And there was one quick story about that. At Christmas time, they often give out these 500 pounds because it's the UK market we were working in, vouchers. And customers would call you up and they'd go, um, I got a voucher from somebody pretending to be Honda and it says that Honda gave me 500 pounds for Christmas. And you get, that's the greatest opportunity because you get to say, it's actually from Honda. It's because you have a Honda car. Your last car was a Honda car. Wow. Your daughter has a Honda car. Your son has a Honda car. And that 500 is yours. And enjoy your Christmas. So there are beautiful moments like that. I, I could give you probably a hundred stories about that kind of stuff, about people who drove a car out of a garage and the car blew up essentially, not because of anything that anybody did wrong, but because there was oil not in the engine. The team would replace the engine. They would get your replacement car. They would do everything possible so your experience would not be a bad experience. Hmm. And this is a company that sells millions and millions of products all over the world. But at the same time, they really do empathize with the customer situation and they want to produce a great product. That's essentially the Honda motto, the power of dreams. They actually believe it. I think this is another advice to entrepreneurs and it goes back to the customer that we talked about. And I can see... I see those entrepreneurs that will do everything that the customer will enjoy the product that they built. 
And I see those that only care about the product and not about the person who uses it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. The customer experience is becoming more and more important in terms of, this was something that Apple, to go back to Steve Jobs, was very, very strong on, that the customer should know how to be able to use the product straight out of the box, that without a manual, without a guide, that you could take that tool, whatever that tool was, and use it straight away and have this fluency or have this utility with the product. He was hugely into this idea. Hmm, that's right. Can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer-focused marketing on sales? But I'm not looking for the shiniest last new product at the endless list. I'm looking for something that works for you, that you as somebody that really on one hand understand technology and on the other understand people and customers and a brilliant marketeer. What do you use that really works for you? I think I have the tool that every single digital marketing guy or girl that you've had on would say is valuable, which is IFTTT. Have you ever heard of it? It's called If Then That. <laughs> What is that? It's, it's a very straightforward tool. It's free, firstly. Um, it combines different services. So the simplest way of explaining it is if I've got a post on Twitter, for example, yeah. I can repost that across to Instagram or Tumblr or Facebook or whatever I choose to do with. I can also send it as a message to my Gmail account. I can also put it as an Excel file. I can do millions and millions of things with just a if statement and a then statement. So this is, they call it the digital glue. Now, there are many tools that I would use. And if you went to my website, ad360.eu, there's a list of tools that you can actually use very functionally. We'll put the link, of course. We'll of put course. the link in the show notes. But if then that, I've never heard of it. Nobody recommended it before. Nobody said it. I no. think they're, they're just um, keeping the secret sauce to themselves. <laughs> Do you think so? It's I-F-T-T-T. So it's three T's, if three T's. It sounds great. We'll have this as well in the show notes as a link. Mm -hmm. You know, there are many factors that actually uh, affects one's success. But I really believe that each person at uh, a specific time or even a specific role has one key success factor that really works for them. And I want to ask you, what really works for you? What is your one key success factor? My wife now would tell you not to ask that question. Oh, why is that? Because I could talk about it forever. And oh, <laughs> please do, please do. There are two elements to it. The first one is that I have a lot of determination. So if I set myself an objective, I will achieve it. It's very straightforward. It's Again, it's an if-then statement. If hmm. I want to do something, I'll achieve it, whatever I set my mind to. Now, it's not going to be, I'm going to take over America on my own with a fork and mm -hmm. knife. You know, that's not kind of the goal. Within my sphere of influence, if I decide to do something, I will achieve that result. And it's the same for customers. If I speak to a customer and if I speak to somebody who has something that they need or they want something, I'll be able to forward them in the right direction or to say, have you spoken to this guy or have you seen this product or have you done this thing? And people will either say, yes, I've done it or, well, that's a nice idea. Let me have a look. Hmm. So determination. And what is the other one? So determination, and it's not only determination because you're talking about succeeding. I mean, you're talking about using determination to, to really succeed and you say that you know how to really succeed. 
Okay, well, this is one now, it might be a little esoteric, but we'll give it a go. If you look at any great sports person or any great achievement-oriented individual anywhere, at any time, in any place, what they will do is they will be able to go to what I call the black spot. And the black spot is where nobody has the knowledge, nobody has the experience, nobody has the know-how. And they will go to that point. They will go, I'm going to try it at this time in history and give it a go, whatever the give it a go is. They're almost open to the experience. And because they're open to the experience, whether it's going to be bad or good or destructive or creative, whatever that experience is going to be, they go without knowing and they go into that experience and they find out. And I think they move humanity forward. I think what that is, it's something to do with the hero archetype that you have to slay the dragon and find the goal behind the dragon. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Do you think you have it? I think I'm capable of it. <laughs> and I've often been willing to go there, you know, just into that moment, into that opportunity. It's that willingness to let it go and give it a go, whatever that thing is that you have to give a go. And it's to dare going there. It's to uh, really yes. take the risk. I think that's what you're talking Correct. about. Wow. The only thing I want to ask you before ask you what will be the best way to reach you. I always imagine this journey of a marketing, this journey in the mind of the customer, first of all, understanding them, and then going step by step to build the awareness and the trust and to build the brand, like climbing a mountain. That is my uh, metaphor for years. And I love to ask my guests, and that's what I mm-hmm. ask you. Whether they ever climbed a mountain, a physical mountain, literally a mountain, whether they ever climbed the mountain or wish to climb a mountain or have any plans with mountains, do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Um, yes, I, I do. For many years, I was an outdoor instructor. So every day I would take groups of kids or groups of adults or groups of anybody's, it didn't matter what they were, up and down mountains in Ireland. So I would have climbed all of the mountains in Ireland in my time, either the ones wintertime or summertime. And the experience of climbing a mountain is always something unique. It's always something slightly different. It's never the same mountain on different days. It's always going to be an absolutely different experience. And the way you come down off of it is always going to be slightly different. Sometimes you'll rush down off a mountain after having a wonderful day. Sometimes it's going to be freezing cold and you're just going to slither <laughs> down on your backside. And then other days, it's going to be something in the middle. I was actually on, it, it's a very small mountain about two weeks ago in Ireland called Bray Head, it's called. So many of the people from Dublin City on the weekend, they walk up Bray Head. It's a very short walk. It's not even a mountain. It's a little hill. <laughs> and my, my son, he's five now. It was his first time on a mountain trip. Oh. And he was really, really into it. He was into the idea of the experience. He was into the adventure. He was into the wind blowing against his face. He was really into every single element of it. And it was wonderful to see in the eyes of a child what climbing mountains actually means. How would he describe it if he had the words? I'm not so sure he has the words yet, but he was wow in a lot of moments because he was looking out over the sea towards England. The wind was blowing him directly into his face. He never had that experience of such powerful breezes. He was high. He was up over the town. He could see the little people below. He knew where we had come from that particular day. And he had seen the journey looking backwards, which is a very interesting thing for a child of five. He's never been in a position where he could look back at his journey. I just love 
the way you talked about it. And I think if entrepreneurs would take this advantage that way, perhaps it, uh, it will work better for them. What is the best way to connect with you for any one of our listeners that want to be in touch or learn from you or talk with you? I better put a caveat at the end of all of this stuff. I never claim to be an expert on anything. But if, <laughs> if you wanted to connect with me, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I have my own website, ad360.eu, which I'll, I'll give you the, the links to. I also have sure. the Donna Carista, so the Carista app, which is my day job, essentially. And I'm on different channels relating to adventure therapy, bb.com. I have different, let's say, avenues of expression. So whatever way you want to get through, you just type in Don Philbon into Google and I'll come up as the first or second entry. Hmm, that's great. Don, I would like to thank you so much. It has been an adventure talking with you today. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. So I'm really happy with that. Thank you for talking. Thank you for bringing new ideas and new perceptions to the table today. And you said that a lot of people are saying the same. No, every story is so different. And you brought so many important and different stories. So thank you for that. Thank you. Enjoy your time in the UK. Hmm. Yeah, thank you and take care. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.